Higgy, are you ready for season five? No. I mean, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not ready. That we're not ready at all. But after we do this recording, I think we are going to be ready. So I, let me tell you, I may not be ready, but I am fired up for it to happen. Same. Hello and welcome to episode number 33, season five premiere of the Admissions Directors Lunchcast. I'm your host, Nathan DeMent, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University, New Orleans. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tej Matil, Director of Enrollment Success at Enroll ML. Tiki, how are you? And I'm realizing we didn't turn off our camera, so this is the first time I'm actually seeing your face when I'm doing the opening. Well, I, I was good, Nathan, but you just made it awkward. How are you? <laughs> I think now is when we turn off the cameras. So one, two, three, off they go. I'm really good now that we turned them off. We're discussing what's happening post-COVID today, and we've got some really great guests to help us out. So, Tej, do you think we need to remind folks about how the LunchCast first works first? I'm messing that up. <laughs> yes, but you let's... know, Nathan, it can't hurt. It's been months since we've dropped an episode. It has. And so here's what happens. Each week, Nathan and I... First, we discuss whether or not our cameras are on, and then we tackle a topic along with our guests, one influencer and one practitioner, to take on a topic that is directly related to recruitment and admission. Our hope is that by the end of your lunch hour, you, the listener, will have a good enough handle on the topic that you can implement tactics quickly, maybe even this afternoon. So, as I mentioned earlier, this week's topic is what's happening post-COVID. We're definitely not superstitious, so we'll ask the question. Now that we're in the post-COVID new normal, what's happening with the college search process? Which of the emergency adjustments are here to stay, and which are going to be left behind in favor of a return to the old ways? And to tackle these questions, we have lined up some great guests, as always. Yes, this week as our influencer guest, we have Kathy Moody, the president of New England ACAC and department head for school counseling at Linfield High School in Linfield, Massachusetts. And as our practitioner guest, we have Jennifer McClendon, president of Great Plains ACAC and associate director of recruitment at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Tiggy, I'm, I'm stumbling, but I'm excited. So let's get started. It's Tej. Well, Tej, I know this is always a dangerous topic to talk about, and it's always the topic on every season of the LaunchCast up to this point. I don't know what we're going to do for season six if it really is over COVID. It's um, Nathan, it's really over. And I, I am not superstitious, but I am rubbing a vegan rabbit's foot. Okay. I, I'm not quite sure what a vegan rabbit is, but then maybe that's a separate <laughs> podcast episode. It's made from tofu. But yes, this this conversation um was wild to even think about, you know, because it right. it's being released here in early March, but we did the interview about a month and a half ago. We invited people for the interview a month before that. We discussed the topic a month before that. So 
it it really did feel shaky to suggest going into the the fall where we would see a spike in flu and COVID that we would engage in conversation about COVID being over. But here we are, it's March, 2023. And it, it seems like we're there. I think what we really want to do explore with our guests. And when I went back and listened to these interviews, um, we wanted to do some comparisons, right? Because Mm -hmm. this, this is airing and we recorded roughly about the time three years ago when COVID was becoming a thing. (laughs) Um, So we're here at the three year, almost the three year anniversary mark when this thing drops, this episode drops. And we wanted to compare to that class of 2019 um, and ask both of our guests, you know, think back that far and what are the pain points of the students and how are, how have they developed over the last three years and how has it changed? And I feel like we did a pretty good job of getting after that. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for the, for the listeners to hear those interviews. Well, you know, and when you think about all the, the things we found that we could rapidly do, the decisions our colleges, our institutions could make quickly when we had mm-hmm. no choice, not just in admissions, but throughout the campus. But, you know, we're, we're an admissions podcast, so digging in there, think of how many institutions found that they actually could do virtual tours well and quickly and virtual mm-hmm. visit events. And they could use the scheduler in their CRM to schedule individual appointments and meetings by Zoom and et cetera. The rapid adoption of technology out of necessity has now left us in a place where we have to decide, are we going to keep those new things in place of some of the old? Are we going to do a mix? What is that mix going to be like? And it's I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it shakes out over the next year or so. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get to these interviews and because uh, they're good ones and they're a little lengthy. So let's get to both of these and then we'll see everybody on the other side. But just as a reminder, here's our conversation with our influencer guest, Kathy Moody, followed by our conversation with our practitioner guest, Jennifer McClendon. As always, we hope you enjoy these discussions and we'll see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, we are very fortunate this week to be joined by our next guest, Kathy Moody, the president of New England ACAC and the department head for school counseling at Linfield High School. Kathy, welcome to the LunchCast. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate this. This is great. Yes, of course. Kathy, for folks who don't know you, can you just tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you found yourself in the roles that you're in right now? Sure. Um, I began my career in um, college admissions, and I I did a brief stint at the University of New Hampshire, and then I transferred into the college counseling realm. And Mm -hmm. I actually have been at Linfield High School for 22 years. So I've spent my entire college counseling career in the same place. And um, four years ago, I was able to transition into the department head position. So I'm in charge of a department. Um, There are three counselors and two adjustment counselors. Um, And part of that role also included being involved with New England ACAC. And um, last year I was elected president-elect and I'm now currently serving as president and really enjoying this professional um, development experience. So 
Yeah, congratulations. I, Thank you. I've always said my my time as president or in the president cycle with Wisconsin ACAC was easily one of the most impactful professional development experiences I, I could have even imagined. I, I highly recommend it for everyone. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. And congratulations on a successful ongoing career at Linfield, including uh, taking on the role of department head. Yeah, it's a great. I, I've really enjoyed being here. It's a it's a it's a well run department. Um, I have great colleagues, and it's a, a town that really values education. So I've been fortunate to just work in a place that that welcomes our the work that we do, and the and mm-hmm. the students are great too. That's fantastic. Kathy, I have no good smooth transition from great colleagues to COVID, so I will just lean into that. <laughs> you, you know, we're here talking about the, the question of the week is what's happening in college admissions post-COVID? Uh, so my first question is if we can think back to the last pre-COVID cycle, which was all the way back in the class of 2019. Yikes. Um, yeah, the, the, the last time a, a recruitment class was not touched by COVID. Thinking back between then and now, what are the most significant differences to how students are searching for colleges? So I think, and it's in, this is timely because we had our junior planning night last night, and we, you know, we kind of talked about how things have changed for parents that were in the audience who had had students during that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the the biggest thing we've seen is the the involvement piece and what that looks like. Um, our juniors that we're working with currently um, are are not quite where their their former students would have been um, in terms of being interested in the process, being involved in the process. Um, and just sort of having that knowledge base. So we've really had to slow things down a little bit in our conversations, meaning we've had to really take baby steps with students in terms of talking them through the college process because um, they just haven't been, it hasn't been in their conversations like it was, you know, back in 2019, we had really motivated students. We had students who were on top of things, had students who had already gone out and done visits and all those things. And, and our current students, while they're still definitely motivated, they just um, they just aren't as far along in the process as, you know, we're, we're used to, you know, pre-COVID. Well, and I'm seeing a little bit of that. I will uh, tip my hand here and I've talked about it on the podcast is that I'm a dad of a high school junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like even in our own household where college admissions is discussed all the time, as you might imagine, or at least <laughs> I want to talk about it all the time, <laughs> even if everybody else doesn't. Um, that's what I'm hearing from our son, both from him and then also from his friends are just saying they're just not quite as prepared as maybe they they thought they were going to be, or they just haven't been thinking about it. And they're just trying to keep their head above water. Is that generally sounds like that's generally what you're seeing as well. Yeah. It's, and it's hard to, it's hard to quantify, you know, who's interested and who's not, but they just don't seem to have the same investment and involvement and they're not doing it 24 seven. And, and maybe, maybe that's a healthier perspective than it was for their, for their, um, for the former students. But at the same time, just having these conversations, we're really starting at the very beginning with our juniors, which in the past we haven't so much had to do. They've already they had already had some exposure at this point in time. Sure. So maybe my next question here, let's talk a little bit about spring visits and expectations from families. Maybe given your comments, they're not they they don't know what to expect. Um, but you know, we're seeing on our side, on the college side, we're we're juggling all the things, right? We're juggling yeah. the masks and the precautions and the spikes and the variants. And and even though we're past it and 
we don't really, you know, we really don't have that much in the way of masks, but we still have people getting sick or whatever else. Um, what do you think families are expecting when they show up to that college visit, um, regardless of whether they're an admitted student or a junior, if that makes sense? I think they're they're still expecting to have sort of the usual, you know, information gathering and meeting with students and meeting with faculty. But I think they're a little bit more cautious about um source those meetings, I guess, and, and not wanting to necessarily be in large groups. If they're going on a tour, they don't want to be there. Previously, you could have been on a tour with 20 or 30 people. They may have an expectation where those tours are going to be smaller. They students still want to get in and see things like um, residence halls and, and buildings. And sometimes that's been a that hasn't always been, you know, students haven't been able to do that in the last couple of years just because of safety precautions and health precautions. Um, I, I think students are are our parents are looking for what are schools doing to you know ensure the safety and the health of of my student when they get there. So they're they're digging a little bit deeper into what policies look like. Um, but I, I think students are excited to get back onto campuses. So that's that's been a great thing and be able to you know be a part of it. But the the um, there are some things in place in terms of you have to sign up ahead of time. Now you can't just stop mm -hmm. by. You have mm -hmm. to, you know, you have to register. There has, there's, there's a little bit more legwork to be done before you can actually get onto that campus. And um, for some folks, sometimes that can be sort of a barrier for them, but for, and for other folks, it's just, it's what life looks like right now. So. Well, Kathy, we are very used to thinking about the negative impacts of COVID and, and certainly those are real, but mm -hmm. also there have to have been some improvements or efficiencies that have come from the pandemic. So yeah. trying hard to think about the silver linings of COVID, how is the college search process better for students today than it was in 2019? So I think one of the things we saw was just the the increase in the the way that you can interact with a school. So during COVID, we there everything was online and there were interviews and there were info sessions and there were, you know, come and talk to a professor, come and talk with a student. So having that online piece, as much as you know, we're all glad to be back in person. It, it gave a school, it gave students a lot more options. So mm -hmm. for our students, if they're looking far away, it, it you know, being able to to do a, um, an on-campus tour, or to be able to do a tour virtually, or to be able to do an info session from a place that they just maybe aren't going to be able to get to visit, just all those resources have been amped up so much. And even though students are still really wanting to do as much as they can in person, they're still open to doing an online, using an online platform in some in some form. Um, I think our students also have had much more contact with admissions folks, mm -hmm. and, um, and I don't know how the admissions folks feel about that, but <laughs> the admissions folks have definitely been so much more accessible and for casual conversations, for answering questions. And it used to be that we would tell students, you know, send either a letter or an email and you can ask your questions, but to be able to either jump on a Zoom or sometimes a, a phone call or a Google Meet, whatever, whatever form they are offering, um, that accessibility piece has helped our students just kind of embrace the process a little bit and to, and to personalize it a little bit more to be able to talk with someone or to see a face again, even if it's on a computer screen, it just mm -hmm. brings it to life for them. So that's been really encouraging to see. I think, you know, this, this shift towards digital communication and virtual communication, um, you know, students would have been comfortable with that for a long time. And I think yeah. their, their frustration was when that was the only option. 
mm-hmm. right? They did not like that. They did not like computer screen open houses. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think they appreciate the ability to just have a Zoom call it, uh, on some random Tuesday yeah. with a college four st- states away. But I think the most lasting change to the college search process is the pandemic has forced everybody's parents to be comfortable with Zoom as well. And I think yeah. that's the that's the new thing. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. sort of this ability, this ability to communicate in different ways. And it, mm-hmm. in, in like, I think similar to what you said, we're catching up a little bit to what students were pretty comfortable with. We were just sort of, I feel like we were just starting this wave in social media and all of its, all of its elements. Mm-hmm. Um, students were really getting into that, but then to sort of be able to make it relevant in, in their education and relevant in their future planning. Um, we, the adults sort of caught up with it on that end. And we've, we've, we're in the same space now and we're still working on ways to make it better, but mm-hmm, at least mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more equalized. It isn't just students are doing this or it isn't just this, the adults are doing this. We're doing this together and we're figuring out how to, you know, make those connections. Great. So that's that, yeah, that's sort of been the the biggest positive um mm-hmm. that I've seen come out of it and it and it feels weird to say that because mm-hmm. again you know who wants to be on zoom but you know what sometimes we do sometimes we do want to be and sometimes it's easier and sometimes it, it's more comfortable so if that's a good thing then we'll take it we will t- you know I'm sorry one last off book question but it's directly sure. related to the pandemic I think one of the things that we feel on the college side is that our virtual campus tours are now so much better than they ever have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my question is, do students, is that, do you get the impression from your conversations with students, are those an appreciated tool now that on campus, campus tours are back in full force? Are they using that or do they appreciate it? How do they think about it? The students are definitely using it and we're and we're pushing them to use it and we're sometimes watching them with them. <laughs> so oh, we're we're doing our best to to make that a, a starting tool. We've we've said to students, even if this might if this is your only way to do a visit, great. This is a this is a wonderful tool to use. Mm-hmm. If this if this gets you excited about going to visit a campus in person, then use it that way. So we've we've kind of used it both ways. I mean, they may not sit through the whole thing. They may be mm-hmm. doing a little bit of fast forwarding when that's an option, but <laughs> it's it's giving them a snapshot at least. And and they know like they're showing you sort of the prettiest areas sometimes and and it's 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 edited. But at the same time, it, it's a resource and it's it's giving them a glimpse and it's an opportunity and they'll take advantage of it. And, and sometimes we have to push them a little bit, but <laughs> they will take advantage of it. A parent will take advantage of it. And when they have the opportunity to do both and when the campus comes to life in that in that personal or in that um, real life sort of visit, it's, mm-hmm. it's good. It's a good thing. Good. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time and your openness to the completely unscripted questions. We appreciate (laughs) it. Um, If you can believe it, we've made it to the end. Uh, We've made it to the end two times over with all the extra questions you had. Uh, But we always like to wrap up with two final questions, which is, Kathy, what are you working on next? And for any of our listeners, how can they get in touch with you if they would like to continue the conversation? Sure thing. Uh, uh, what I'm working on next is getting our students ready for course selection um, mm-hmm. and, and really jumping into all of our work with our juniors. So that's going to keep me busy for the next couple of months. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, my email is probably the best. My email is moody, M-O-O-D-Y-K at linfield.k12.ma.us. 
Great. Kathy, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Nathan, do you remember how excited you were to land on the NACAC Podcast Network? I was, and it was the second most exciting day of my life. If you actually throw my wedding day under the bus one more time, I'm going <laughs> to drive up there to Greendale, Waukesha, Wisconsin, wherever you live. Listen. And I'm going to be very mad at you. I get it. The order of days in your life, your wedding day, first. NACAC Podcast Network, second. Your children being born, third and fourth. No, still no. <laughs> Still no, not that they actually listen to this podcast, but still no. Nathan, so why I, are we excited about it today? I'm talking over you like I usually do, but why are we excited about today, T? Because in the middle of these episodes, we just want to shine a little bit of light on our podcasting friends. So we've recorded just a little bit of teaser, just a little bit of information about each of the 16 other podcasts on the podcast network. If any of them sound interesting to you, you can find them wherever podcasts are sold. I think available or stream. On the admissions beat, veteran dean of admissions Lee Coffin from Dartmouth College provides high school juniors, seniors, and parents, as well as their counselors and other mentors with news you can use at each step on the pathway to college. With a welcoming, reassuring perspective and an approach intended to build confidence in prospective applicants, Dean Coffin offers credible information, insights, and guidance from the earliest days of the college search to applications, decision-making, and arrival on campus. He does so by drawing on nearly 30 years of experience as an admissions leader at some of the nation's most prestigious institutions. In the ELP, the Admissions Leadership Podcast, Ken Anselmint, I know him. So do Ken. I. Ken hosts a series of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who have been climbing the leadership mountain in the world of college admissions. Well, Tej, I'm really excited to welcome Jennifer McClendon, president of Great Plains ACAC and associate director of recruitment at Oklahoma State University. Jennifer, welcome to the LaunchCast. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. So before we get into our questions, as always, can you give our listeners just a little bit of your background and how you got into admissions, how you got into this uh, current role at Oklahoma State? Absolutely. So this is, I believe, my 16th year um, working in admissions, and I've been on the college side the entire time. I started out as a regional admissions counselor working for my alma mater, the University of Missouri in Chicago. And um, by way from there, ended up moving back to my hometown of Tulsa as a regional admissions counselor there, moved on to a regional directional university in Oklahoma as the uh, director of admissions for four years there. And now I've just wrapped up my fourth year at Oklahoma State University. So it's been an exciting road. Um, ironically, I got into this industry um, thanks to a job suggestion from a regular in the bar I worked at in grad school. So there's a story for another <laughs> time. Great. I'm happy to tell you all about it. But um, I think as most of us, we just fall into this industry. And so that's a prime example of it. Yeah, but that's probably one of the best starter stories I've heard. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to catch up about that in that gag. Um, and I also, I also appreciate the Chicago connection. We might have actually been at a fair if we're doing if I'm doing the math right here. It's at I some point. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. We're really excited that you're here today. We are going to dip our toe in the water that's always hard to predict about what's happening post COVID 
Are we actually post-COVID, not post-COVID? Is post it post-COVID? Who knows? Is it post-COVID? Who knows? But we always try to do one of these a season just because there's so many lessons that, you know, we learn throughout um, every six months. It seems like everything kind of churns over every six months. So um, we're going to ask you to go into the Wayback Machine, though, here. And, you know, as in your role as a recruiter and counselor, um, think back to that class of 2019, you know, four years ago, which is hard to believe. You know, what What do you view from your role? What are the most significant changes in how you connect and recruit students, connect with and recruit students? Absolutely. So I think as we kind of, as I reflect back to 2019 and, you know, we sort of had this like nice, perfectly little package timeline where we got to a certain point in the year and, you know, we start hosting these like financial aid and scholarship meetings with families. It doesn't happen until December. We're doing all these things one-on-one, sitting at a Starbucks or a Panera and chatting with families. And I feel like the biggest difference that we've seen now is that those conversations happen year round now. And we are doing them in multiple formats. And so, you know, while a lot of our staff were doing some of those virtually, it was, you know, we were pushing for this face-to-face one-on-ones with families. And now I think we're sort of in this space where we just kind of meet families where they are. Um, And so you want to Zoom, you want to FaceTime, that's great. Um, At this point, we feel a little more comfortable going back to the (laughs) face-to-face connection. Um, We were a little apprehensive for a while, but I, you know, I think we're a little more fluid um, in how we're talking with families when we're talking with families. Um, I think for me, the other part of this too, that I think has been such a a challenge, but also a really great thing is that all of our events have a virtual component now. Mm -hmm. And so I say a challenge on the end of, you know, working with a staff and a team that's just asked to do more. We're just doubling the work that we're doing. But what I think that that's really done for families is enabled them to get to know us as an institution um, and as a family, you know, as a university family earlier and from the comfort of their living room before they make the decision to come and see us. And I don't know that those opportunities were as plentiful um, when we look back at that 2019 timeframe. It's, I mean, the changes in how colleges engage with students, we often think, I often think about it from the student perspective or even from the parent perspective. Um, But recently, I've been thinking a lot about the great resignation and how it's been impacting college offices, specifically how the work experience has changed for admissions counselors uh, post-COVID relative to pre-COVID. From your perspective, how has the experience of living through COVID impacted the work environment for admissions counselors? That's a great question. And I think, you know, as sort of this middle manager, um, it's something where we deal with quite frequently. And so I think that during COVID, as we're experiencing this, you know, for lack of a better term, I feel like a lot of our staff was kind of like trapped in these roles. And we know that in admissions anyways, we're automatically going to have a little bit of turnover at the end of every year. And so kind of when we started to get onto the other side of COVID, it was like we had so much turnover that happened at one time. And so we lost multiple years worth of staffing at one time. And so it was really challenging, um, you know, and just trying to rehire and things like that. But I think as we're back up to fully being fully staffed, knock on wood, um, but, you know, what we've seen is that this last summer we were able to offer our staff some choices. And so we allowed for the first time ever for our staff could choose whether or not they wanted to um, work, you know, some 
410, 49 schedule type thing, if they wanted to work two remote days, or if they just wanted to stick with their normal eight to five on campus every day. And I think the biggest surprise to me is that we had staff that chose all three of those different options in different capacities. And so we had some that said, yes, the remote is what's most important to me. Some that wanted that flexibility of, I'd rather work an extended workday so that I could have my Friday afternoons or my full Fridays off. And then others that, you know, said, I'm cool with being here every day. Like, I'm glad to be back in the office. I like my eight to five. I like, I enjoy my routine. And so I think that to us just proved that those choices matter. And I think too, we're at a point where people sort of now expect to have those choices because during the pandemic, we proved that what we could do offsite is this, a lot of the same things we could do when we're working from the office. And so I think that has been a really big difference for us too. I'm going to go off script here just for a minute, Jennifer, and ask you kind of the nuts and bolts in that. I want to make sure our listeners clue into that. So you said that you gave you, you gave the staff the options throughout the summer, or you're giving them the staff throughout giving them those options throughout the academic year as well. So we did it for the summer for those three mm-hmm. options, and then what we're doing now in the academic year is they've got um, up to two days a week that they can work remotely, okay. and so we we've sort of switched into that. Um, you the summer months allow us to have that flexibility of being able to work four tens or whatever. Um, but I think that now that we're in the swing of things, um, just having the option to work remotely two days a week has been really beneficial. Um, so I can clarify that if you'd like for me to go. No, back. that's okay. No, no, no. That's exactly what I was looking for. Just cause I know summer is kind of all what's kind of sort of all over the place, even pre pandemic, yep. right. Yep. <laughs> Depending well, on what your university schedule was, but that's interesting that you kind of switched in the summer and then it, now you have a different year. Yeah. And I think too, the, what's interesting with our, our staff already, we have within our admissions office on the recruitment side, we have 16 team members that are all based off site and on site. Now we have 13. So for the first time ever, we actually outnumber our on site staff when it comes to our admissions counseling team. And so I think that, you know, our on site staff look at our off site staff and say, you know, they can do it as long as we're covering campus tours and events and things like that, then um, it's been really great to, I think, give them the option to also have those two remote days a week. And what I think the other part of this that we've seen is that um, having those options reduces the tension of the grass is always greener between our offsite regional employees um, versus our campus-based employees. Right. Yep. I agree. And we've covered that a little bit in a previous season about regional admissions counseling and I, I was an regional admissions counselor in my career at one point, and I think there's a lot of value in it. But yeah, the grass is always greener. Um, they've definitely gotten knocked down in COVID. If that's true, so. Absolutely. I think the other part too, um, if I could add in, that mm-hmm. I think has been really beneficial is the shift in professional development opportunities. Sure. So I think as someone, you know, from the JAPACX side, that's constantly looking at how do we sort of grow this next generation of leaders within our industry, um, but also as a, a manager of a team of 30 people, you know, the pandemic sort of gave us this very large you know, quantity of virtual opportunities. And so I think that we're seeing some of those things persist, which has been really great because virtual tends to be a little less expensive. And so we can have more of our team members join in on those opportunities. And then I think at the same time too, we're also seeing some shifts in um, just who those professional development opportunities are targeting. And so I think as we have so many new professionals entering the field, um, we're 
taking a lot of that programming and targeting it at professionals with one to three years of experience in hope of kind of bringing them along um, and developing them, you know, sooner and giving more opportunities than I think what they would have received in the past. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely a silver lining. Well, speaking of silver linings, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, some of the positive effects and some of the efficiencies that came from COVID as the college search process for the students. You know, we've talked a little bit about your environment there in the office and the professional development, but from your perspective, you know, what are the positive things that came out of COVID for um, high school students as they're going through the search process? Because we've had students that did most of their search during COVID. <laughs> we have students mm-hmm. now that are doing that, you know, maybe the first part of their search was during COVID, then it was fully. And now we have ones that are completely post COVID. That- Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, I think just this rise of test optional as an option for students. And I think as institutions, a lot of us knew this was a space we needed to be in. We wanted to get there, but Mm -hmm. I think COVID really sort of forced our hand in making it happen and figuring out how to make it work. Um, And so hopefully that's something that will continue to persist. Um, You know, and I know that that also presents some challenges for students just because test optional means different things for different universities, but I think just having an additional option um, to just sort of access higher ed has been pretty game changing, I think, for us and for students in, in general. I also, and I mentioned this earlier, but I think just you know, the virtual space that we take up as colleges now and the opportunities that are out there, I think is really beneficial, especially for out-of-state students, Um, you know, looking to go elsewhere. You don't have time on a Thursday to, you know, go on a campus tour. And so there's different opportunities for you to sort of test the water before you make that initial investment. And I think that has likely been a game changer for students as well. We've talked about that in the past a little bit on the podcast here about low-income students. They're really advantaged students, right? Um, and, but even in this era of uh, high inflation, you know, when you have a middle-income family that um, maybe can't figure out a way to be able to afford the campus at, here in the spring as a junior <laughs> or something along those yeah. lines, that the virtual option does allow them to not only get to more campuses, but definitely expand their knowledge of you know, maybe where they want to, where they, where they want to go and visit and or apply over the summer. So. Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, if you can believe it, we're at the end of the episode here. It always goes really fast. And um, so we're going to ask you the, I'm going to ask you the two questions we ask all our guests, what are you working on next this spring? And then how can folks get in touch with you? Should they want to continue the conversation? Great. So as we're kind of moving through this spring, we're really focused on our JAPACAC annual conference and getting that wrapped up. Um, My presidency will officially turn over in April. And so uh, while I'm sad to see it go, it's also I'm excited for the next generation of our leadership there. And so it's kind of tying up some loose ends as that relates. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, I would love to hear from you all. And um, email is probably the best just because it's going to pop up and I'm going to see it. So <laughs> my email address is Jennifer, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R dot McClendon, M-C-C-L-E-N-D-O-N at okstate.edu. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. So look forward to connecting. Great. Well, best of luck with the rest of your presidency. Good luck with the conference. Um, And thanks again for joining the LunchCast. Thanks, Jennifer.
as always, just what a great set of guests. I feel so fortunate that both Kathy and Jennifer were able to join us to kick off season five. Nathan, what stood out to you in these interviews? First and foremost, what really stood out, and again, um, I'm seeing this at home and seeing with the boys' friends, but the students are behind um, and or mm-hmm. delayed, depending on how you really want to describe it. Um, you know, Kathy said the juniors are just really not as involved as they should be in the college search, and I'm seeing that, and that's probably, she said involved, but it probably means prepared, um, just because they're mm-hmm. not quite as ready. Um, I think it's a silver lining or a double-edged sword, depending on how you look at it, and she said they're not doing it 24-7, though, which is probably a good thing, because they're not as obsessed with it, and they're probably not as, um, I, I do... I do continue, and this will probably become a theme throughout this um, throughout this season. But what what the students are still expecting and what they're not expecting is mm-hmm. going to be a constant puzzle for admissions directors. That's going to be my prediction because that's what we're experiencing right now. Yeah, that's it's interesting to think about because you know some of the new tools and and tactics we practiced and mastered during COVID. Uh, I'm thinking especially the Zoom sessions, the the virtual high school visits, things like that. Some of them, some of them didn't work even when they were re- a necessity. But some of them are going to stick with us for a long time. I I think virtual Zoom interviews, virtual um, Zoom financial aid discussions with parents, I think those are here to stay forever and never going away. And it's really now going to be about getting a sense from each individual student about how far they want to go down the virtual path versus how far they want to go down the in-person path. And um, I hate to be one of the people that says we just have to add more to our plate. I don't think we have to do the same volume of each as we did before and during COVID. But I I think all those tactics have to stay with us. I think there's still an in-person travel component that is going to be necessary. And we're going to always have to be ready to, to have these meetings by Zoom as well. What one more thing that struck me when I remember when we were chatting with Kathy is mm-hmm. um, how that fo- the students are more in touch with the admission step more frequently. And I think Jennifer also touched on that um, is that it's become more of a year round thing. It's less seasonal about when you're going to have these, um, you know, highs or lows of volume from the students <laughs> when they're reaching out because they just have all these ways, as you said, to be able to 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 um, contact the admissions counselors. I think one of the interesting things is, and again, I think it'll, this will come up throughout the season, but uh, just managing expectations on a campus about what volume actually means, mm-hmm. um, because really the behavior and the student engagement is being diversified across all these different tools. And I'm with you. We have to keep all these things. We're not really pulling away from anything. Um, but if you don't have a gigantic open house, for example, is that Mm -hmm. a a loss? No, you still have a lot of students there. Um, but it's going to be different than it was post pre COVID, excuse me, pre COVID, because they just have more opportunity to engage Mm -hmm. and they're not all, they don't need to all come on a Saturday in March, um, for a junior open house or something along those. Mm -hmm. The other thing that really jumped out to me with Jennifer's conversation is just the change that this has had to the job of being an admissions counselor, right? Yeah. The amount of, of regional, I mean, regional staff, I think, grew even more, especially when you count folks that are regional-ish, right? Like they they commute so far that they come in less frequently, et cetera, or you have rotating days in the office, et cetera. And now making sure you have enough staff on campus is important uh, mm-hmm. for, for visitors, 
But the other piece that I I think we all are going to be wrestling with for quite some time is there is an expectation on campus from people outside of admissions about how busy and how prevalent the admissions team is in the office. Because while we understand how much students have changed and embraced virtual engagement technology, uh, I don't I don't know that everybody on campus has. And if we have half of our admissions counselors out on a regular basis working from home, um, I think we're going to have some challenging conversations across campus. Can we, I agree with all that. Can we talk quickly? And I don't think it made it into this episode, the conversation with Kathy um, about the residence halls. I think we we maybe had to cut that for time and it's going to be part of one of the summer sessions. It's coming in um, July. That's It's coming maybe, in July. That is such a good teaser. You're very good at this. I know. It's like we've been doing this for five seasons or something, but um, it. It was a very lengthy conversation. It's almost like we had two interviews with mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the second one was basically all about the residence halls. But I do want to touch on that that because it's something we're doing in real time right now at Loyola. We're really trying to figure out how we can showcase the residence halls. And at Loyola, unfortunately, we have very old and outdated residence halls, but the students really want to see them because yeah. yep. even more than coming out of coming or even more than they did pre-COVID, they're coming out and space matters. It seems to me that where their personal space is and where the you know hierarchy of needs fall, like where are they going to eat and where are they going to sleep and where are they going to recreate, um, what, those are becoming really, really important because they were able to really um, craft and build their nests, their spaces at, at home. Um, and these are still becoming the number one request. Um, and I think it was just fascinating and a teaser, I suppose, for this conversation <laughs> we'll release over the summer, but it's residence halls are still the thing. You know, if I can latching on to, you know, a part of the conversation that we did not share with our audience just now, but to really connect the two, perhaps mm-hmm. we really need to wrestle with what students want to see when they visit campus is going to be different. If they, it, there's a number of things they can and probably will see before they come to a physical on-campus tour. And maybe these on-campus visits are, I, I hate to, I would hate to say this in front of faculty members, but maybe it's less about the academic programs than we were used to. And maybe we need to shift more heavily into the gym, the dining hall, the residence halls, et cetera. I, I, I agree because I think they're, I wonder, and I'm again, just speculating, they're making the assumption that they'll be able to, that they're going to go to class and, but they don't really care about where they go to class. And maybe they're even more apathetic about that because of mm-hmm. the pandemic, because that going to class in a physical space was not as big of a deal when you could just do virtual. Um, and they're willing to, and I heard this, I've heard this in a couple different other podcasts, which I won't name what I've been talking about, you know, we've been, we've been listening about teens and their emotions and how do you, how are teens right now, generally speaking, and not good. They will, They're not good. Nathan, they will tap out quickly. They have yeah. no problem tapping out and saying, okay, nope. Um, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going to stay home and do a virtual day because that was encouraged. In mm-hmm, fact, mm-hmm. sometimes required mm-hmm, <laughs> if they had a mm-hmm. fever or a cough or whatever it was. So that has become learned behavior. And again, they don't, it doesn't really matter as much to them about what their classroom looks like. They just need to have access to their professors. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, and that's the end of it, but where they are going to be living and eating and exercising and um, making friends and being social does matter because mm-hmm. that, that was taken away from them and or became very important during the pandemic. 
Piggy, that was a great episode. And I think we're going to wrap up this closing banter. So I think we did pretty well here with season five premiere. All <laughs> right. Well, that was a great episode. And as always, we hope you tune back in for episode number 34 next week. So I'm Nathan. I'm Tej. And that was the lunch cast. Thanks, folks. <laughs> I always just look at you. Everybody like stops talking the second that voice comes over. Well, it's, it's very, a, um, it's intrusive. Like, yes, <laughs> it is a little bit intrusive. Yeah, as lovely as her voice is, it's very intrusive. All right, we're going to get started. <clears throat> and it's McClendon, right? Correct. Nope, cool. Nathan, it's Matil. <laughs> and this is on recording. So he's going to use this as a cold <laughs> open. I love it. I swore. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.